My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here with us. I want you to look at the front cover of your bulletin, and I'm going to share a couple things with you. I've shared them with you before, but I want to reinforce them uh, time and time again to make sure you understand them. If you see pastoral care emergency phone on your bulletin, I want you to call that number if you have a pastoral care emergency. Do not call the church office because we won't see it, especially if it's on the weekend uh, for some time. But if you call that number, we'll be able to respond to you as quickly as possible. It comes to me now, but if I'm out of town, it will go to the minister who is helping me that week, and we'll be able to respond to your emergency as quickly as possible. If you look at the website, um, directly below that, we have a brand new website, uh, memorialgreer.com, and I encourage you to go there not only for information, all of our staff is going to keep it uh, current all the time uh, in their particular area, but also I would encourage you in this moment to look at it now and see is there anything that we're missing, anything that uh, could be reworded, because we've looked at it too much. You know, if you've the one that's written the thesis, somebody else has got to look at it um, to help you understand if there's something you could change. And then flip your bulletin over to the back, and you'll see our five practices. That's the way our website is organized, with uh, exception of the CEP program, uh, which has its own button. But each of these areas has a particular uh, section. And if you want to watch a video from either of our services, they're under the particular time that you would watch. So if you want to watch the 9 o'clock worship video, you would go to Passionate Worship, 9 o'clock service, and the video would be right there. Same for 11 o'clock, Passionate Worship, 11 o'clock service, and the video that we record every Sunday would be uh, right there. So be sure, and uh, I would take this home with you, put it on your refrigerator for those um, three important things that you would need. Um, the one thing I'm going to tell you before um, Aaron speaks to you is that um, I know that we've done pumpkins in the past and it may be uh, a little bit disappointing to you but we're not going to do pumpkins this year and it's I'm just speaking for this year um, because we have a number of uh, really important um, high level things in October that are really going to take our time. Uh, Bishop Williman is coming on October 16th. We want to make sure that we get that right. Uh, Paige is last Sunday with us our, our um, youth director and she's in the contemporary bands. Last Sunday is the 23rd. Uh, we want to celebrate Paige. On the 29th, we are hosting in the FLC a um, craft fair for Greer Relief. Uh, all, it was huge last year. They filled up the whole gym and we had a lot of people come through. And then the next day, the 30th, is not only the fall festival at night, which will be fun. We're doing the fall festival with all the... Aaron will mention it. Um, but also our charge conference. Our district superintendent will be here. And uh, seem like there's one more thing that day. Uh, so it's a big, big month for us. And so if you'll um, forgive us this month or this year and we'll um, see if we can uh, do it next year. Um, and 
I'll introduce Erin. Good morning. I am Erin Knight, Director of Children and Family Ministries, and I have a few announcements to share with you. Um, first, we practice radical hospitality. Um, the Fall Festival, as Joe mentioned, will be October 30th. Uh, if you can start donating little prize items, individually wrapped candies or toys that the kids could um, enjoy as prizes, I will have a um, bowl, it's very clearly a Halloween bowl, on the table at the check-in in the Family Life Center. Um, would appreciate those donations, and I'll be sending out a sign-up next week, um, hoping to get some of you recruited as volunteers to put on that fun event for our children and for the children of this community. Um, next announcement, first Wednesday supper at 6 um, is October 5th. It's going to be a really fun one, not to be missed. Um, the James Brothers, who are a gospel a cappella group, um, will be here to entertain us. Um, I've heard nothing but wonderful things about their talent, and um, hope you'll be here on October 6th. That's uh, October 5th at 6 um, to join us. Um, you need to RSVP for that so we can order the right amount of food. You can either write in your attendance roster today that you'd like to attend and how many people and so on. Or I've sent out a link um, through Sign Up Genius. Uh, excuse me, not Sign Up Genius. I've sent out a link uh, through Constant Contact um, that you will all see on our website and in our weekly announcements. But do let us know if you're going to participate in that. Um, we also practice risk-taking mission and service. The children are doing two things with missions right now that I'd like to make you aware of and ask your support of. Um, first of all, Zoe Ministries, which is a, an organization that does outreach in Africa to children who are orphans, and they give them trade skills so that they can rise out of poverty, um, out of homelessness and other situations. Uh, a great cause, and we're asking the children uh, to tonight count the number of stuffed animals they have at home. Um, if it's like my house, that's going to take a considerable amount of time to do, um, but then we ask them to give a nickel for each of those, and that will go towards Zoe. Um, our goal is to buy a plow for a Zoe um, participant, a child who is learning agriculture, um, and that would be $50. Um, we've raised 29 so far, so I think that's very achievable for the children tonight. Um, but I appreciate your participation in that. Also, um, right now, when the kids bring their Bible, when they uh, remember the Bible verse of the week, other things that they achieve, they get a piece of candy. And I always meant for that to be temporary because all us parents know our kids get plenty of candy, right? <laughs> but I do want there to be an incentive for them to do those good practices um, so I'm going to start giving them quarters um, in a couple of weeks after we've studied a number of missions. Um, those quarters will then be their way to support one of three missions that are local, statewide, uh, national, or uh, for our world. So if you want to donate quarters that could be used for that activity, there is a jar, again, on the check-in desk at in the FLC where you can put your quarters and know that those will go to children as rewards who will then uh, spend them uh, on making uh, something in our community or world better. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Let's stand and sing our first hymn, number 400.
let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Our first scripture lesson today is from the book of Psalms, chapter 78, verses 1 through 8. This reading can be found in your pew Bibles on pages 914 and 915. O my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. He decreed statutes for, for Jacob and established the law in Israel which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their forefathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Gracious God, this morning we've read lyrics, read passages, sang lyrics about reminding us of your amazing nature, about our duty to tell the story, about our opportunity to understand the amazing things that you have done for all of humanity. In so many instances, you remind us in the mountains. You remind us with your great, beautiful, expansive picture of nature. And as we read the text today of the disciples after your resurrection going to the mountain and remembering what Jesus wanted in the first place, help us to remember the texts we've read and the songs that we've sung so that we may be instruments of your word. Inspire us this morning, Lord, with the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time to give our tithes and other offerings. If you haven't passed the attendance register uh, to either side, I encourage you to do so. And if you'd like to sign up for the dinner, uh, make sure you do that. And if you would like to give online, you'll see instructions in the bulletin.
please be seated. We continue in our series that's talking about uh, Fear of the Other, a book by Bishop Will Williman. Uh, his latest book, he'll actually be here in worship on October 16th, so I encourage you to be here, and uh, whatever it takes you to be here, be here. Um, we're looking at Matthew 28, starting with verse 16, and that is on page 1550 in your pew Bible. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I encourage you to leave your Bible open if you like. First thing I want you to notice is that there were 11. You ever hear that number in Scripture? <laughs> it's kind of sad that there are 11. And it's something that needs to be noted. Jesus is meeting with 11 disciples on the side of the mountain. And that's because we're down one disciple who had joined us since the very beginning, being Judas. You'll hear one of two versions about why G Judas was no longer there, neither of them good, and both ended in death. But he's not present with them anymore. Two ways to look at that, and it's probably a mixture of both. It's probably not just one. First way is relief. Judas no longer inhibits the progress that we were trying to make. You've heard of the phrase addition by subtraction, where even if you're down a person, it's easier because, my goodness, that person was not easy to deal with. When you're picking a team or you're hiring a person or you're adding a person to a sports team, you say the first thing you want is trust. Can I trust you to do the thing that we talked about? Can I trust you to stick up for me in both good times and in bad? If you have trust, the second thing you want is a fit. Okay, we can trust you, you're a good person. Is your skill set a fit for what we're trying to do? For what we're trying to achieve in this organization, whether it be big or small? If you don't have trust and you don't have a fit, regardless of talent, it will not work. And so trust, obviously, was a little bit of a troubling thing with Judas there at the end. And he certainly wasn't fitting in with what they were trying to do. But the other thing they might feel is concern. We're down one person now. And if you include Jesus, we had 13. One has died, and another one has died as well. He's just been resurrected, which is beyond comprehension. But two out of our 13 have died in the pursuit of this thing that we're trying to do. And Jesus here, speaking to them on the mountain, is about to leave them. So they were 13. And now they're 11. Uh, when I was in um, high school, I think it was in 11th grade, maybe the 12th grade, I was playing on the church league basketball team for my church. Our church was about this size. And we had a team that had six players. So we were thin. And two of our players were out for a trip. So we had four. So we played a team that had 10. And that coach, when we played them, was gracious and he said we've got 10 we're happy to give you three you can sub in and out we will have won the game um, it, the game will be over but we can at least play a basketball game and to my uh, uh, tremendous credit to my coach he's um, he's actually deceased and I was able to speak at his funeral I told this story he pointed to us and he said that's my team so the four of us played the 10 of them and our two defenses were square or diamond 
<laughs> These are the two things we could do. That's how much we could pivot. We played them the entire game and played toe-to-toe and actually ended the game in a tie. Went to overtime. We were dragging in overtime. Overtime ended in a tie. We went to a second overtime. And to that coach's credit, to the commitment of everybody's going to play on his team, I was really impressed with him too, especially now through the lenses of being a basketball coach for churches. He would sub his players every three or four game minutes. So we were going against a fresh five every three or four minutes, ready to run. We lost in double overtime because we just didn't have any more. We didn't have anything left. And so that would be the concern side that the group that has come after all of us and tried to reduce our numbers is just fine. There's plenty of them. And they can sub in and out all they want. Um, Paul has not been converted. And we, we got us. And there's one less of us now and about to be two less of us. But he's trying to set all that aside by going up on the mountain. And um, I keep, if you ever look at a sermon printout, if you ever need a a copy of the sermon just to follow along with for fun or for whatever reason, they're they're in the back. If you look, I always keep a number in the top, which is the number that I've done here. So this is my 62nd one. I said that one time at 9 o'clock and Bob McQuaid said, how many more are we going to have to listen to? (laughs) Which I thought was so Bob McQuaid. He was awesome. 62nd time. I bet you I've talked about mountains 15. I'll reference the mountains all the time because they're so important throughout the entire Bible, and they're so apparent in our life, right down the street. And so I'm trying to reference them all the time, especially with the children in, um, in CEP Chapel, so that they'll recognize those mountains. And of course, they're thinking, so it was those mountains then. That's where, that's where Jesus was with his disciples. So it's a place of renewal, a restoration. A reinforcing of what we're trying to do. And that's not Jesus. That's people way before Jesus. All the way up to him now. All the way up to us going to Asbury Hills. Or in any one of those amazing camps up there. The disciples struggled leading up to this point, And so would we. They struggled with paying attention. Uh, sometimes Jesus would be saying something and they'd be talking in the background about whatever. They struggled with humility. At times they'd say, you know what, I bet you're going to have a pretty cool seat. Can I have the seat beside you over here? Or can I have the seat beside you over here? Or can my loved one have that seat? At times they struggled with endurance. They would say to Jesus, I'm tired. And there's no end to these stupid people out here who want something. Can you please just send them home? Please send them home. And Jesus would have to push them in order to reach that ministry out. They struggled with fear. And Lord knows all of us would struggle with fear throughout that entire thing. Even the amazing things Jesus was doing would be frightening at times. But especially at the end. I've been lucky enough to be in the um, inner part of the old city of Jerusalem. And you're not talking about wide walkways. If you think like, um, it's not exactly the same because there's a lot of hills and stuff. But um, if, if you think about walking through the heart of the market in Charleston, at its peak of tables on this side, tables on this side, necklaces, snacks, peanuts, whatever, shawls, whatever any of all that is, and earrings, uh, beautiful stuff um, from local artisans. This same thing is there, except miles of it, and at least two layers of it. 
um, because I walked downstairs and saw all sorts of uh, um, you know, a legit pig and uh, all kinds of spices and stuff, whatever any of that is. <laughs> I thought it was beautiful. Uh, you're in that place that's already packed normally, packed to the gills because of this high holy holiday weekend, and the Roman soldiers doing whatever they want, pushing by him whenever they want, leading Jesus through that place, through those people, to his certain death. I'd probably be scared in that moment. And the disciples backed off and, and they were quiet. And in fact, as, as famously uh, Peter struggled, he even claimed that he was with him. So Jesus has taken them up on that mountain to start over. Just like their ancestors started over. And just like their ancestors before them started over. On the side of a mountain, away from it all, trying to figure it out. The last part of that very short phrase that I read is that they worshipped him, but some doubted. That sort of captures it, doesn't it? For all of us, there's times when we doubt whether it has to do with whether we get the job we were hoping for or didn't, or whether someone gets well or they don't, or whether we have income or we don't, or whether the church does the thing that we're hoping we hoping it will do or it doesn't, or the community, whatever. Worship and doubt is throughout all four Gospels. And um, this is the end of Matthew that we're reading. If you look at the other endings, it's interesting to see how different they are and how they deal with that doubt. Mark just sort of ends. The story just ends with a little bit of confusion. Luke ends by, with an obvious connection to Acts. People suggest that the author of Luke wrote Acts. And so when you see a movie where you see it's clearly going to lead into another movie, they're ending in a connection. John uh, ends in, I think, the most unique way and says, you know what, there's way more stories than I even had time to write down or show you. Things that you wouldn't believe. But I wrote these down so that you might have faith, so that you might understand. Matthew ends with a great commission on the side of a mountain. And even those people who are on the side of the mountain who understand that he was resurrected, who are with him on the side of the mountain and uh, uh, the message he's trying to give him, even there, they still doubt a little bit. And you know what? If we were there, we probably would too. Verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Does that sound familiar? You hear that in our liturgy all the time that we read with our um, two incredibly important sacraments. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Interesting there, uh, I, I talked this past week at um, Jack Four's memorial service that God, uh, a, a great mentor of mine said, um, God has always been a delegator and will always be a delegator. Giving tasks to people who think they're not up for it, then equipping them for that incredible task going forward. He says, I've been given all authority, therefore, y'all go. Y'all go. You go. And tell other people. Therefore go is an incredibly important phrase in that text. And it's one of the last things said in this gospel. 
You want to know what one of the first things said in this gospel is? Turn to page uh, 1496 in your Bible. This is one of those texts, Matthew 1.1, that people do not want to read in public. They don't want to read it in worship. They don't want to read it in Sunday school. They don't want to read it anywhere because it's intimidating. Uh, uh, let's just look at that. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. I'm going to stop right there because I, I pronounced those correctly. I'm just going in. I picked a good one. The reason that's there is so the readers of this text who were of the Jewish faith who came from that uh, family line would know that Jesus was connected to the thing that they had always believed. It's important. This Matthew, one of Matthew's main emphasis is connecting Jesus to the faith that you already had. So the thing that's interesting to me about the end of this gospel is that where he says, we're going to go way beyond this family. He says, you know what? We're, Jesus was tied to the family. I want you to believe in him. But that's not the end of it. He's not just a fulfillment of your particular faith community and then we can call it a day. He says, therefore, go and tell other people, I want you to extend beyond that. And when you're doing that, here's what I want you to do. Make disciples, baptize, and teach. If you looked at a pie chart of the Gospels of Jesus' actions and you took those three, it'd be a pretty significant part of that circle. He didn't mess around much. At least in the documented part of the Gospels. He was doing those three things for any insiders that wanted to be and any outsiders who never thought they could be. Make disciples, baptize, and teach. Even though there were distractions, even though he could have lost focus, but now he's leaving again. We've already felt the emotion of his leaving the first time at the crucifixion. Now he's on the mountain and he is leaving us again. What does he want us to do? Here's your quote of the day from uh, Bishop Willimon's book. We are created for communion. Therefore, even in our isolation caused by our fear, we yearn for embrace. Y'all ever want a quiet moment? You ever want to get away from everybody? You ever just want peace? You ever want to get away from the phone that's buzzing? Or somebody that's asking? Or somebody that's talking? Or a memo that's been handed to you? That, of a thing that you have to do now? All of us at some point in our life, I'm guessing, have had periods of time in which we've just gotten in the car and just driven away. Or gotten on the sidewalk and walked away. Got our dog out, we're going for a walk, we're getting out of here, we're clearing our head. You know what we do when we do that? Even if, like, uh, on Sunday afternoon I go, uh, uh, the parsonage has an office. I don't do a whole lot of work in it. It actually has a wonderful chair for naps and a TV. <laughs> and so, after a full day, I love that chair so much. And I love that TV so much. And the NFL is back. You'll watch a show, you'll listen to a song, you'll read a book. You know what you're looking for in those three things? Connection. Connection that you have control over. 
It's the thing you want to connect to. Whether it be a favorite author, whether it be a story that you love, whether it be a team that you love and a fan base that's inside that TV, or whether it be a show that you've watched 50 times, or whether it be a show from 1956 when you watched it as a kid, the thing that you want is connection, even in your isolation. I say all that as, an, as a um, setup for the question, what do we do now, what are we supposed to do? Our church is supposed to look for every way possible to create connection with people who come regularly, somewhat regularly, and have yet to come. Our commitment to do that is to make the services that you are in live as vibrant and faithful as they can be. But our commitment to that for those who are yet here is to make our website and everything we do as vibrant as being live is. You know what the fear of baseball owners was when they wanted to televise games? Nobody will ever come. No one will ever come if we put this on television. In fact, the sports have grown astronomically. So what do I need your commitment to be? Our staff is committed to making that right. I need your commitment to be to look at every form of media we have. This is a form of media. Okay? Your hymnal is a form of media. Your Bible is a form of media. I actually use these every once in a while. But there's a digital version too. And we have all kind of, we're going to have vibrant, fun stuff on our website. I want you to look there. Our staff is going to update it. Because we are going to look to connect to people who are not yet here. To let them know that they matter. And that we are focused on them being here. And if not, hearing the word. We do so because we've heard the command from Jesus himself on the side of the mountain. If we were paying attention, therefore, go and tell other people about it. Let us pray. Lord, comfort us when we feel great fear of your absence or our perception of your absence. Inspire us when we see uh, big, long roads and we wonder what we're supposed to do. Pull us back when we get loose and doing our own thing, doing what we want. Pull us together so that this church may feel connection. Inspire us as we leave these doors to create opportunities at all the tables in which we sit, all the roads in which we drive, all the sidewalks in which we walk, that others may feel connection through us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If you'll stand and join me in our final hymn, number 140.
Should you need me, I've moved my office to a room right there. It's behind the stairs, the stairs behind the sanctuary up to the top floor, second floor. And I've turned my office into a conference room so that our smaller groups can meet in there without needing the social hall. So next time you go through there, um, notice that. All of the mail, all the notebooks, all that stuff is in that room, in that conference room. So make sure you look um, next time you go by. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. Oh